Welcome back to the Monitor Sports Podcast. Eric Rinson-Lobel and Dan Atori here with you. Beginning of October, Dan, we're more than halfway through football season. we got golf tournaments coming up this week. Uh, field hockey playoffs are starting soon. Second half of the show, you will hear my interview with Bo golf coach Matt Davis ahead of the Division II championship on Tuesday at Breakfast Hill Golf Club in Greenland. Bo, the defending Division II champions after moving up from Division Three. So we got a lot to discuss as always, uh, starting with football. Uh, I was at Concord's home game Friday night hosting Alvern. The Tide lost that game 19 to 12, dropping Concord to one and four on the season. And uh, Dan, just kind of a continuation of a lot of issues that we've discussed in previous episodes of the podcast, just uh, offensive struggles, uh, mistakes at the most inopportune times, uh, inability to get off the field on third down on defense. All those kind of came to fruition yet again on Friday. Alver, not as good of a team as some of the other opponents Concord has faced, uh, but still kind of the sim- similar result. I mean, the score looks pretty close of one possession, obviously, but the game didn't really feel that close. You know, uh, Alvern kind of controlled things for the most part. Uh, the closest Concord came to looking like it had a chance to win was in the third quarter to start the second half when Concord was kicking off and uh, Colby Nyhan, the kicker and quarterback and punter, kicked it short. The Alvern player muffed it and Concord recovered. So then the Tide proceeded to move, I think it was nine plays for 35 yards over five plus minutes when on the goal line, Nyhan fumbled on a quarterback sneak attempt for a touchdown. So they got no points out of that, and that kind of took the air out of their sails. Um, but, Dan, I think the big takeaway for me out of this game was uh, Jim Corkum just, you know, taking the blame, really, for why they lost on Friday and why they've struggled. I mean, I asked him, you know, they had nine penalties in that game. Eight of them were accepted. And I asked him, you know, why he thought that was an issue because – of all the struggles Concord's had penalties was not a big one. And he said, look like, you know, that's on the coaching staff, you know, we're supposed to be putting them in position to be getting better at this point in the season and we're getting worse. So he's taken the blame. He's, you know, putting the blame on the coaching staff and, you know, whether it's warranted or not, I think it it just kind of shows just how challenging of a season this has been for a group that entered the year with pretty high expectations for itself. Yeah, I mean, kind of what they've been talking about this year and last year, um, after you know having a good a good inaugural season under under uh, Coach Corkin when they went three and six, they've talked about you know winning games against you know some of the better teams, you know, not just picking up you know their win over Central every year and and kind of living with that, but beating some of these you know stronger teams. Um, Alvern not necessarily in that category. They're not one of the the better teams in Division One, um, and Concord lost to them. So I, I can certainly um, see the frustration there. Um, I mean, good. For, I mean, good for Coach Corkum for you know for for taking that on. I mean, it's it's hard to manage 
you know, losing situations like this. And, and I always appreciate it when, you know, the coaches and the players take the onus of that and say, look, we need to, we need to be better. Like this wasn't, this is not good. Um, so I, I admire the, you know, the initiative to take kind of take onus of that and, um, and look forward. I mean, still, still a lot to play for. I mean, there's uh, still three weeks left, uh, three weeks left in the season, 13 of 21 teams make it in last year. And, you know, three wins got Spalding in for that final, that 13th and final spot. So definitely things to play for. Um, it won't be easy. They play defending champions Bedford on Friday, who are six and zero, outscoring opponents, uh, 244 to 13. Um, so, um, maybe not, uh, you know, an expectation for Friday night. Um, but I mean, there's still, there's still something that I, th I think there's still something to play for. And, uh, you know, it's always interesting to see, you know, what teams can, you know, hold it together and, and still go forth and, and, and put forward that kind of effort, you know, in the, the final weeks of a, of a losing season. Um, but yeah, I mean, still, still almost a month left, um, of football, but certainly not where Concord had hoped to be by this point. And, and to the point about, you know, uh, coach Corkum, you know, being, taking responsibility, I think it's part of what he's trying to do in terms of, setting the tone for how these last three games are going to go. It's we have a choice right now. And, this, and he said this after the game Friday, like they have a choice. They can either keep really working hard and, and fighting to improve and, and make progress on the field, or they can pack it up. And I think, you know, knowing how much time they put into this, I don't think that the latter is what he wants. And yeah, Friday is going to be really tough. I mean, Bedford's beaten really good teams this year. And as you said, I mean, the, the point differential of plus 231 <laughs> over six games is wild. So Friday is going to be tough, but you know, you look at the last uh, two games, I mean, uh, Dover, a team that's, uh, you know, solid, but um, you know, maybe you can be a little competitive there. And then Wyndham's a team that's, that's lost four times this year. They're two and four. So um, you know, it, the, the, we, we talked last week about the transitive property, the transitive property, not really Concord's <laughs> favor, but Concord's lost to everybody except one team. So the transitive property is really never going to be in their favor. Um, but yeah, opportunity is still there for progress, but it's going to take a lot of work, uh, particularly offense. Cause it's not like, I mean, we should point out, it's not like this, you know, you're watching this team and they're jogging and they're not playing hard. They're playing very hard. They're just not seeing the results. And that happens. Sometimes there are just yeah. certain years where you just don't have enough talent to compete with other teams in your division. This year seems to be a year like that for Concord. Um, and so uh, we'll see what, what transpires in the final three games to come. You got to see a, a beatdown in its own way in Division Two on Saturday, Dan. John Stark beating Hillsborough during Hopkinton 47-0. Generals now five and one on the year. Uh, what can you tell us about that game? They're good. <laughs> John Stark. They look. They looked very good. Um, first time seeing them play um, this season. Uh, I think definitely a program that's improved significantly over the last couple of years. Um, now at five and one, uh, John Stark is already having its best season since 
Oof, I'd have to look it up at least five years. I mean, they haven't won uh, pre-2018. I'm pretty confident is the last time they, they've won this many games. Um, but uh, Donnie White, uh, lead running back. I guess you'd call him the lead running back, although they have a whole uh, host of, of a stable of backs, as some say. Um, Donnie White ran a 65-yard touchdown on the first play from scrimmage, and that pretty much indicated how how the whole game was going to go. Um, Generals, a very good run game um, that we've seen and and we've heard of before that we we finally got to see firsthand. Um, John Stark beats Hillsborough during Hopkinton 47 nothing. They outgained the Red Hawks 521 to 93 um as far as total yards uh from from all the drives john stark had 420 of those yards on the ground um delton williams had 125 yards and a couple of touchdowns tim la 94 yards and two touchdowns donnie white 93 yards on only four carries uh and that opening touchdown uh joey dykstra 43 yards and a touchdown <clears throat> offensive lineman Junior captain uh, Alex Descoto uh, forced and recovered a fumble. Um, one of three that the Generals' defense was was able to to take away uh, from the Red Hawks, uh, and so he does that on defense. Very next play, he's lining up as a back, and he takes it twenty nine yards to the end zone. Um, so big, big sequence uh, for the for the junior captain there. Um, so really the John Stark run game and, and looking at some of the results and some of the stats from previous, previous weeks, this is pretty much how it goes for John Stark. They've got, they, they share the ball. I think Donnie's emerged as the lead guy, but they all get good. Um, they, they all see a good amount of snaps and, and a good amount of touches, um, was very Pressed with the play of quarterback Blake Suckis. He only threw three times, but he was a perfect three for three. Um, 56 yards, all of those, uh, all of those passes resulting in first downs and big chunks, um, which is not something I had seen John Stark execute um in in years past. So uh really impressed with with John Stark, their their whole line. Um and I, I mentioned them in the story that will be in print on um, uh, Monday, where this is Sunday night, October 8th, Monday, the ninth edition will have it. I list all the, all the alignment, um, but really as a unit, they're looking, they're looking very strong and they won the battles in the trenches and they, 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 they commanded that whole game, um, which sets up a very interesting game for John Stark on Saturday. They play at Sanborn regional high school and, um, uh, which I think is is probably the most intriguing game that we're gonna ha have um, for some time at least locally. Um, we'll we'll get to that, but elsewhere in Division Two, Bo um, kind of saved its season uh, with a big thirty eight to twenty eight win over Kennett to improve to three and three. That is only Kennett's second loss of the season. Um, Falcons, of course, coming off a big loss to Merrimack Valley that won seven to six in its homecoming game. So picking up their first win over Bo, Bo then turns around and beats the number two team in the Division Two East. Um, so Falcons currently fifth in the D two East, holding on to the eighth and final playoff spot. So really a huge win for the Falcons. Um, I know they were trailing in the third quarter at one point. 
um, and came back in a big way uh, in the second half. And then uh, Josiah Funches with two touchdowns on the ground, um, leading the Falcons there. MV picks up its second win of the season, beating Manchester West 37-6. Um, Plymouth with a 44-15 win over Guilford Belmont. Um, I think Guilford Belmont uh, had a pretty good game plan um, and and looked good at the beginning. Um, but starting quarterback Anakin Underhill had to leave early in the game. Uh, backup Mark Wicker came in and did a very good job. Um, they did a very good job. Plymouth just, you know, they're a bigger team. They're very strong on the line. They're the best line that um, – that I've seen so far, maybe not with notwithstanding John Stark. We'll see. Um, talk more about those crossovers in a bit. Um, but Guilford Belmont with, with a tough loss. Pembroke losing its homecoming game on Saturday to Sanborn 48 to 8. That game played on turf at Dairyfield Park, which is pretty cool. I've never covered a game there. Um, so that was fun. Um, but uh so the playoff picture right now, this is why the Stark and Sanborn matchup on Saturday is so intriguing to me in the division two West. There's a clear hierarchy with uh, Sauhegan and Pelham, both five and oh, um, those two teams played for the championship last year. Uh, John Stark in third right now, they're five and one. Um, they have their bye week later in the season. So that's why they have the extra game Hanover at three and two Milford two and four uh, Hillsborough during Hopkinton one and five and then Hollis Brooklyn and Manchester West own oh five so pretty clear division there um, John Stark beat Milford in week one and Hanover week two which were kind of the, the toss up games um, you could say on their schedule. Everything since then, though, has been, you know, pretty much chalk, you know, Pelham, who has not a lot of point all season heavily favored to beat Stark and then Stark beating up on winless, um, beating up on, on, uh, Hillsborough during Hopkinton and then, uh, some other winless teams in that stretch. So John Stark really hasn't played, uh, you know, a toss up game in a month, um, and so I think this is why Saturday's game with Sanborn is very intriguing where, where Sanborn right now, they're now second place in the uh, Eastern half of division two uh, with a four and two record. Um, so I think this could be a very interesting game as far as, you know, where teams line up for the playoffs. Um, so I think this one will be very good. Um Sam Warren throws the ball a lot, as I learned on Saturday. Um, they've got very good skill players and they throw the ball quite a lot, something that um, John Stark did not face a lot of against Hillsborough during Hopkinton on Saturday. They only attempted three passes. Um, what I've seen from box scores from some of the other games, it looks like they haven't faced the pass a whole lot in any of those either. Um, and John Stark's strength is definitely on the line. Um, I have not really seen a lot from its secondary yet just because of who their opponents have been and what we've been able to see. So I think that will be a very interesting game. I hope to be at that one. Um, but I, I think that John Stark and Sanborn is going to be a very pivotal game as far as what the Division II playoff picture looks like. Um, I mean, should be a great game. I mean, but John Stark looks very good, very impressed. Um, they're a team that's they're they're having fun out there. They, you know, they, you know, the guys are really you know good good to their own teammates and and they're getting along with the coaches. And it looks like they've got a really good a really good culture over there right now. They were very helpful for me on Saturday. Um, 
And uh, it was it was cool to see them, you know, doing so well after after not having some great seasons for a while. Uh, but it's definitely all come together, um, all come together this season, a commanding victory. Uh, yeah, so that's Division Two. Um, and then the only other thing outside of that, Division Four, Winnesquam won its first game of the season, a forty-eight to nothing win over Newfound. Um, Brady and Franklin's Saturday games are postponed because of weather, so. Uh, Brady was supposed to play tonight, um, hosting Newport and then Franklin, I believe is playing tomorrow. Um, if that is still the plan. So, yeah, I mean, it's three weeks left of football. It's, you know, things are starting to take shape. Um, yeah, good, good stuff on the gridiron from, from John Stark. Seems like that's been the theme for most of the season. Uh, John Stark consistently good. Everyone else either up and down or down more than up. Uh, things have been a little bit more positive on the soccer field in the area, as we've covered throughout the year. Uh, in boys soccer, uh, a team that started out slowly has come on lately. That's Pembroke. They're in the middle of now a four-game winning streak. Uh, the Spartans beat Cole Brown 2-1 to on Tuesday and John Stark 4-2 on Friday. Pembroke is now 5-6-1. and one. They're still in 12th in Division Two, but... Uh, much further along than it was, uh, you know, this time last Friday, basically, because uh, they, you know, uh, Pembroke had wins over MV, Cole Brown, two road team, two road wins against teams that are probably going to make the playoffs this year, or almost assuredly will make the playoffs this year. And then John Stark, not a not a great team, but something that head coach Drew Goff said after the Cole Brown win was that his biggest challenge moving forward was keeping the focus and keeping the intensity because while they've played better and they have reason to feel confident in that, they also can't just pack it up and say, you know what, you know, we've gotten to where we need to be. We should be fine moving forward. They need to continue to mm -hmm. focus. And, you know, the John Stark game could have been a chance where, you know, you're not, you're playing a not so great team. You take it easy, but Pembroke able to win that game to keep its success going. Not the only team though, that's been playing well lately, uh, since losing to Lebanon on September 15th, Bo has won seven in a row. The Falcons are now 10-1-1 one, one on the season. Um, Merrimack Valley beat Lebanon 1-0 on Thursday. That was Lebanon's first loss of the year. MV, which has been up and down. They're 8-4-1 now. They had had a bit of a tough stretch, but the Lebanon win certainly uh, will feel very good for them. Um, so Merrimack Valley with a big win. Cole Brown struggled a bit. Uh, lately, they also lost 2-0 to Hollis Brooklyn on Thursday, following up uh, the Pembroke loss. So uh, Corbin had a bunch of guys out for an extended period of time. They all came back. So they're still working through some rust and getting everybody back on track there. And then in Division One, uh, conquered two losses in overtime or double overtime. The Tide two and nine on the they seat. can't catch a break they've uh they yeah. i think every i think every game that they've lost that i've seen in the last month they've either led at halftime or they've lost in overtime um so not not catching a lot of breaks um on the soccer field um 
in Concord. I uh, wanted to highlight uh, Carson Perkins uh, finishing off across from Andrew Serpernot for uh, MV's only goal in that win over Lebanon. Um, MV, of course, had, you know, a tough stretch um, with, with losses against Bo uh, and then Pembroke on homecoming. So big win uh, handing first place Lebanon's first loss of the season. Um, yeah, so a good, great, great result for Merrimack Valley. Great result there for the Pride. Um, and then in Division Three, Hopkinton with a couple more wins over the last week, beating St. Thomas and Fall Mountain. So they're 12-1, and one, and they are first place in Division Three, uh, back up to where we're used to seeing um, Hopkinton. They've been they've been playing very well. Also in Division Three, Kearsarge 8-3-1 and one, and Hillsborough Deering at 8-4. Also, uh, kind of in that top eight group, um, looking at possibly hosting some uh, advancing, maybe hosting some playoff games uh, over at those two schools. Hillsborough doing with a big six to three win over Bishop Brady on Saturday in the Hillcats homecoming. Um, so overall, things looking pretty good uh, on the soccer field on the on the boys side. Uh, Eric, same same for the girls. Uh, things looking very strong in girls soccer. Yeah. I mean, girls soccer, we've also documented just uh, how deep, especially division two is. I think all five area teams, I mean, Pembroke is in a bit of a tougher spot, but uh, all five area teams at least positioned to maybe make it into the playoffs. Uh, but first we should mention Concord uh, beating Dover and Winnicott last week. Uh, now four wins in a row for the Tide who are seven, three, and one. That's good for sixth in division one. And I mean, I think for Concord, the hope right now is hosting a playoff game because mm-hmm. last year they had to go on the road for the first game and lost. So um, getting that home playoff game is always nice. You know, you know that it could be the last, it likely will be the last time that you, you the seniors get to play on their home field. So, uh, although playing at the Memorial field in amid the floods, maybe isn't so, uh, <laughs> so nostalgic for some of them to think back on, but still a cool opportunity to get the community out to support uh, Concord. Uh, Bo had two wins last week over Kennett and Merrimack Valley to snap a two game losing streak. The Falcons are eight, three and one. And then there is a three way tie for second place in division two between MV John Stark and Cole Brown, all three are nine, two and one. Of course, all three are in our coverage area and um, Merrimack Valley's bo- uh, both losses are to bow. Uh, John Stark beat Pembroke one, nothing on Friday. Cole Brown beat Kennett. Cole Brown has not lost since August 31st. Uh, they do have one tie in the middle, but everything else has been a win for the bears. So, uh, Dan, four teams, in particular those last three that I mentioned, just playing really good soccer so far this season. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, there's a lot of it's going to be interesting down the stretch because there there could be a lot of movement. So kind of breaking down the division two standings, Hallsbrook line eleven and zero. They're they're far and away the playing the best right now. Um, although they don't necessarily face a lot of those capital area teams, just based on the way the scheduling works. Um, so we'll something that we haven't necessarily seen yet. So MV, Cole Brown, John Stark, all tied at nine, two and one. Bo uh, in fifth, one game behind at eight, three and one. And then sixth through 14th place in division two, 
all of those teams have five or six wins. Um, and that's when you look at things like point rating and, and ties and, you know, who has one game against a division one opponent that might, you know, give you an extra point for a win, that kind of stuff. Um, so uh, Pembroke is included in that group. Pembroke at five and eight um, in 14th right now. But uh, I mean, that's a tight, I mean, one win you know, and, and a couple key losses for other teams. And, and all of a sudden Pembroke is right back up there in the top half again. Um, so it's tight. So it's tight. A lot of big games uh, in these last two weeks of the regular season as teams jockey for playoff position. Um, another team, uh, one team that does not need to worry about that though, uh, Hopkinton, 11-1-1, second place in Division Three. They are solidly um, up their uh, big six to one win over Hillsborough Deering on Saturday. Uh, Keegan St. Sears seems to be their, their main catalyst on offense. She had four goals and a big win um, for the Hawks. And then also uh, drawing St. Thomas 1 1 earlier in the week, that being a rematch of the 2021 uh, championship game. Um, that Hopkinton, uh, that Hopkinton won, um, a game that I was, uh, very lucky uh, to be able to be at. So, uh, Hopkinton looking very strong as we enter these final couple of weeks and then conquer Christian nine, one, and one, their third in division four. So, uh, that girl's semifinal, that girl's soccer semifinal night, we are, uh, <laughs> we are anxiously anticipating what that schedule might look like um because as it stands we have many teams uh that look like they've they've got a good shot at making it to the final four of of all four of our of the NHIAA division so things looking very strong um for the girls soccer field but still two weeks to go in the regular season there uh, not so in field hockey though, Eric, this is it one week of the regular season. And then we're next episode. We're talking about the playoffs for, uh, for field hockey. Um, yeah. What's, uh, what's happening there. Yeah. Not, not a ton of uh, new news, but, uh, Concord had a bit of a rough week, lost twice to Dover for nothing and Pinkerton four to one. So the Crimson Tide now eight and four, that's sixth in division one. Still, it's been a strong season. For Concord, so should be relatively well positioned and also should note that Dover and Pinkerton are two of the teams above Concord in the standing. So it's not like they lost two games they shouldn't have. Maybe they wish the margin of defeat was not as large, but uh, the actual result, uh, you know, maybe not super surprising given uh, where those two teams are in the standings. But more interestingly, in Division Two, Dan, John Stark lost for, as I guess you dug up, for the first time since October 22nd, 2021. So it's been nearly two years since John Stark lost the game. Last year, the D2 champs uh, had one tie, but no losses. Uh, this re recent defeat came to Kennett 2-1 to one on Thursday. Kennett's a good team, 10-2, uh, and two, although the two losses are to Portsmouth, who you know is fine, but they've also lost five games this year. And Berlin, who's in Division Three, so not maybe maybe it's just kind of a trap game, if you will. 
Um, I also feel like if you're John Stark, you obviously don't want to lose, but you'd rather lose this game than lose in the playoffs. So maybe this can serve as a bit of a wake-up call for them uh, before the playoffs begin. Yeah, that um, so John Stark's loss on October 22nd, that was a uh, loss in the quarterfinals. I believe it was overtime, a overtime quarterfinal loss to Lebanon. Um, I want to say a game that that John Stark really felt like they should have won um, and really kickstarted this this incredible streak um, that they've that they've been on. Um, and then John Stark was right back at it. They played on uh Friday night or Saturday, and I don't remember what the outcome was offhand, but it was a uh, yep, it was like a three nothing win or four nothing win. Like yep, all right, back back on back on track. Um, so John Stark responded very quickly. Um, Bo at eight and four, and MV at six four and two. Uh, in the playoffs as things stand in Division Two, um, jockeying for playoff seedings and uh, maybe uh. Uh, possible home games in the playoffs for those two uh, if, if things go well this final week and then in division three bishop brady at eight and three kearsarge at seven and six and hopkinson at five and seven um, all in the playoffs in division three at this time if it was uh, to be over today um, but I mean so they play a 14 game schedule so I'm looking at Brady with only 11 games they've got you know a busy week um, busy week coming up um, so a lot a lot can happen uh, but looking like we're going to have those playoff teams locally so far um, Eric anything on the volleyball front just a couple updates with uh Concord two more wins last week. They beat Winnicunit and Pinkerton. They also did lose to Goffstown, but the tied 10 and three and in fifth place in division one as the successful first season under new head coach Maria Wimpy continues in division two, Cole Brown lost to Campbell, but beat Plymouth and Guilford. The bears like Concord are 10 and three uh, tied for fourth in division two. Um, also in D2, John Stark, six and six, Winnesquam, five and eight, and in division three, Belmont's in third place at eight and two. And last but not least, Dan, we have golf before we get to my interview with Matt Davis. Why don't you preview what we have coming up with the division championships this week? A lot of golf, a lot of golf this week. So division one, um, will be at Canterbury Woods on Tuesday. Um, that should favor the tide, um, be Canterbury Woods being a local course, probably a lot of opportunities, um, and more of a familiar course to the tide players. Um, so division one at Canterbury Woods, division two at Breakfast Hill Golf Club on Tuesday, uh, as well. That will have Bo and Merrimack Valley, um, the two teams that qualified for that. Um, Division three and Division four will both be played on Thursday. Division three at Sagamore Hampton Golf Club. Division four at North Conway Country Club. The top 14 individuals from that uh, from each division in the team championships earlier in the week will then contest for their respective individual state titles on Saturday at Beaver Meadow. Again, something that should favor um, our area golfers. Um, teams competing in that uh, 
conquered the top seed in Division One, finishing the regular season with a 25-1 and record. Of course, Concord was the top seed last year and ended up finishing third, so the seedings don't necessarily mean a lot uh, you need to produce on the day. Um, but Concord competing in Division One, Bow tied for third and Merrimack Valley seventh in Division Two. Uh, making the cut of the top eight teams that will compete for team titles uh, in Division Three: Bishop Brady, third, Cobrown, fourth, and Kearsarge, sixth, all playing for titles. And then in Division Four, Hopkinton got in with uh, seventh place to be competing in Division Four. Um, some key individuals to keep an eye on. Bishop Brady's Maddie Savari has already booked her spot in the final six for the girls' individual title. Uh, those early rounds were held a couple of weeks ago. Um, girls can compete for the boys, uh, compete for the team titles, um, but they can't make it into the individual championship for both boys and for girls. So Maddie Severi uh, competing uh, in the final six um, for the girls individual title that will also be uh, contested on Saturday um, with the other four divisions. Um, Concord's Gavin Richardson has won medalist honors, uh, I believe in over half of the matches. I have to go back and count, but he won medalist honors many times. Definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, Dave uh, Bourgeois had a big, uh, he was medalist in the final match of the season for the Tide. Um, typically not that, not as high in the ladder, but was the medalist in that one. Um, and then Carl Siriana, Keller Ramshaw, Alex Pelletier, all names to keep an eye on for Concord. Um, Bo led by Sean Garrett, Owen Weber, and Jacob Ganzar. Um, and these Andrew Serpernant, he's been leading that team. Uh, shout out to Merrimack Valley, by the way, for competing for a team title in its first varsity season uh, since 2016. Uh, head coach Joe Doherty uh, was on the last time, oh, competed for Merrimack Valley the last time they had a varsity team. He's now back to coach. Um, Andrew Serpernant could be uh, in the hunt for the individual crown in Division Two. He's competed at the State Am. Uh, then Co Browns, Alex Myslinski, Joe Fenton, and Hunter Demas, uh, their top three. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll see how things we'll see how things shake out. Eight teams competing in every division for team titles. The top fourteen make the cut for Saturday. Um, we will be uh, providing as much information from that as we can. Uh, hopefully, uh, all the live results stay live and uh, are updated throughout the day. That is always helpful. Usually, they're pretty good. The the golf committee um, does a very good job with those championships. So, uh, yeah. So Eric, that's it. Team titles are going to start. We're going to start this week. Golf championships this week. Um, you know, field hockey playoffs starting next week, cross country championships are in, are in, uh, less than three weeks. So, you know, end of October, we're, we're very much in playoff time. Um, so we're getting down to it. That we are. And for more on the upcoming D2 Golf Championship, uh, here's what Bowhead coach Matt Davis had to say. Here with Bow Golf coach Matt Davis with the Division II Golf Championship coming up on Tuesday. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So uh, for, for folks that haven't been paying close attention to the golf scene uh, with Bo this year, uh, can you just kind of catch us up on, like, you know, how's the team been doing and, and what's kind of stood out to you after the team won a Division Two title last year? Yeah, so um, last year we moved up to D2, had a really strong team, came away with the, the Division Two state championship for our team, um, which was pretty awesome in our first year in D2. Um, we unfortunately, and unfortunately, it's always great to have big classes, but big classes will eventually go. And we had, uh, seven graduating seniors. So in our top eight last year, we, we ended up only returning two of the, the, um, players that went to States last year. So it was kind of a new, new group. Um, this year we, we handled, uh, division two pretty well overall. We finished at 22 and six, which was um, was nice to see, and we we kind of hung around with some of the the top teams in in that division currently. So I'm excited to see what is in store for us uh, in a handful of days here at the state tournament. Now, what's like? I know, like you know, maybe if in basketball or hockey or football, like moving up a division can be a really big deal because you know you're dealing with totally new opponents. Teams might be deeper. In golf, like what's the biggest difference moving up from D uh, three to D two? Yeah, so um, pretty big difference in terms of like the the formatting was switching from um, modified Stableford, which is a point based system, which allows you to um, through the NHIA rules pick up after a double bogey. So if you don't make double bogey, you can pick up, move on. Um, everything goes out to double par you could, you know, um, on a par five, you could make a 10 before you have the opportunity to pick up. So that impacts your scoring a little bit. Um, the other huge impact that we had to kind of really be conscious of is you're, you're bringing one extra person to each match. And on top of that, you're scoring an extra person. So instead of scoring four in, in division three, um, playing seven, you're, you're scoring five in division two with eight players. So just making sure that we have that fifth score and, and that kind of, then really makes us, you know, um, go over course management with kids because it, it, you got to be really careful of, of letting uh, a bad hole or a couple of bad holes get get um, to a negative impact in your score with five scores needed. Right. So it, it basically, it requires you to have a little more depth. Yeah, a little bit more depth. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, we need, uh, you know, we, we've been really blessed where we've been able to have at times that the back end of um, a lineup could could be a score for us, um, which is huge. But yeah, definitely needing five scores, you you really need to have some depth um, on your team. So I know last year uh, Hunter Duncan was kind of the 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 top performer for you guys. Um, who's kind of who have been like the standout performers for you so far this year? Yeah, so Sean Gretz, our senior captain this year. Um, Sean's been team for four years um he's done a phenomenal job this year uh he's a really strong player really works on his game and worked on his game throughout uh late fall through the winter through the spring um played in a bunch of tournaments um so that was great to see and then our, our number two this year was a uh a freshman which is kind of a more rare thing like we don't typically see there's not a whole lot um, in high school golf where you see that, that freshman jump in and immediately have an impact but um, 
Jacob Gankar has, has proven that he can he can play with anybody in that division. Um, posted a phenomenal scoring average, played in every match for us this year, and, and I think uh, scored in every match this year as well. So those guys have really um, stepped up to the challenge of filling in some of the spots that were left behind. Now, in preparation for Tuesday's uh, D2 championship, like what are you doing to get get everybody ready and you know in, in best in their best position to succeed? Yeah, so at practice um, for about the past week or so, is we we're just making everything a little bit more high intensity. Um, we're really focusing on you know Beaver is a great golf course. Um, we love being able to play at Beaver and practice at Beaver, and they're they're great to us. But Breakfast Hill is a vastly different golf course than Beaver Meadow is. Um, so we're really, you know, we play Beaver well. We play it every day. Um, we try to put them through some different situations. Um, really make sure that, you know, in a state tournament, it's not going to be fast. It's going to be kind of slow paced. You know, there's things that may happen while you're out there where you have to, you're about to take a swing and something, you know, someone's walking, someone's kind of near you and, and you have to back off. So we've kind of thrown some of those situations at them over the past week and just had them realize like it's it's going to be a long day. You got to be mentally engaged before you tee off all the way to the very last putt rolls in. And uh, the team will be playing at Breakfast Hill Golf Club in Greenland. Uh, I'm sure you're hoping for a little bit better weather than you guys had last year when you were in uh, Moultonboro. I remember I was there, it was pretty chilly it was raining and windy so I imagine those were not easy conditions but um like along those lines like you obviously don't know what the weather's going to look like and and that's going to play a big impact um how do you prepare for that you know and I think this is the this is the point where um the mental part comes into play right because you know it's it's not other than really keeping your clubs dry which is not a necessarily a really hard thing to do um right you have some towels out there you get your umbrellas you'll be all right um you have to think about distance a little bit right so if the golf course is soft it's not going to necessarily allow you to have any rollout um especially off the tee box um and then coming into greens greens should be soft so you can kind of attack pins when needed but i i think the the big thing is is making sure that you are mentally composed because that round that may have been, you know, we've seen rounds that are four and a half hours for a state championship, but, uh, you know, it's not uncommon that it would push into that five-hour time frame, and that's it's just a long time on the golf course and, and a lot of time to, to stay engaged, um, especially when, you know, it's not necessarily the pacing that you're used to. So um, I think that's the, the big challenge going into Tuesday, and, and weather can certainly impact that uh, for sure, but... I feel pretty confident that we're we're equipped to play, you know, um, whenever and wherever and whatever the uh, situation. Now we've talked about some of the challenges, um, but you know, you've overseen a very successful program uh, going back several years now. What, what what's been the key to just having the consistency where you know bow golf is just good every year? Yeah, um, you know, I, I inherited a really great program from Mike Sarekis, um back in, uh, I'd, I'd been his assistant, I think that was the 2015 school year. Um, they won their fifth championship that fall, and then there was a, a huge turnover, and Mike had uh, retired at that point. Um, I kind of always tell the kids, like, it's it's not 
not us. It's not anything to do with the school. It's not when I say us, meaning the coaches. Like the kids are hugely invested. And then when these new, you know, younger classmen come up, those freshmen, sophomores, they want to emulate the top players. And that's that's kind of what we. I mean, we can go back to the Dougie Champagnes or the Jake Milkars or the Hunter Duncans and the Cam Evans. Like all those younger players see that that success and that energy and that dedication and they want to emulate that and i think the students have have kind of taken over that program and made sure that it's flourished you know we're just we're there to help in ways that we can but it's really up it's really the uh the students that that have made that program so successful matt what's uh like what's your favorite part about being a golf coach i feel like golf is a little bit different from other sports where you know basketball baseball softball whatever like you can be a little bit more hands-on um you know running drills and stuff but i feel like golf you have to kind of take a little bit more of a back seat right and kind of let the kids do their thing and maybe give them pointers here and there but you don't have that ability to be as hands-on is that right yeah absolutely um i think the thing that's the most exciting about coaching that sport is um and i think the thing that translates a lot i mean we have I would say almost every single one of our players is playing another sport at least, um, possibly two in the upcoming seasons, in the winter and spring. Um, there's a lot of coaching that goes into practices, and we have tons of communication and dialogue, um, and we really build it on trust where I trust them to make good decisions, and they're going to trust me to, to put them in situations where I think you know this will be the best option for them. But ultimately, when it comes time to matches and tournaments, like they're the ones out there playing they got to make the decisions and, and hopefully all that work ahead of time where we've had these discussions and we've had these moments of let's give this a shot kind of kind of comes into comes into effect yeah so um it's an it's an interesting sport you know where you're not necessarily making like on the fly changes as a coach but um really trying to keep them calm and engaged during matches and tournaments all right, Matt Davis, Bo Golf Coach. Matt, thanks for stopping by the podcast. Great to have you, and best of luck uh, for the group on Tuesday. Appreciate it. Thanks again for having me. So, Dan, I think uh, one of the things that you know, we, I talked about with uh, with Coach Davis is the the weather being an obvious factor in golf as you know it is more so than in other sports and you know last year I covered the D2 championship in Moultonboro Ridgewood Ridgewood Country Club it was raining it was windy I almost got hit in the head by a couple of balls that were hit way <laughs> off course so um and, and you know because usually golf is not a huge sport for you know mid-fall but this is when these championships happen so um likely I mean the weather forecast for the week looks reasonable but uh, this is probably the most inclement weather, the most challenging conditions that uh, these golfers have to deal with. So um, interesting to hear Coach Davis talk about just how you prepare them for this, because, you know, sometimes you're just relying on them to be able to figure out on their own, because in some sense, you can't really do much to prepare for what what it might be like to play in the wind or if it starts to rain. Yeah, um, I mean, it, yeah. 
it's been a weird fall weather-wise. You've had a lot of uh, Saturdays where, you know, things haven't gone according to plan. Um, there are a lot of games that were supposed to be Saturday that got, the, got bumped up early to Friday or are being played uh, tomorrow on Monday the 9th. So, yeah, we shall uh, we shall see. Should be a good week of golf. Thanks to Matt Davis for joining the podcast. For Dana Torrey, I'm Eric Rinson lobel Thanks to all for, uh, for joining us, and we will be back next week.